beat your dogs, swab the decks and hoist the sails. The guns on board be needing some proper madam. Pieces of eight and a fine wench on your arm. If you work, be not too shoddy. Careful not to flounder too badly, though, or you may have to dance the hemp and jig as we see you to Davy Jones. Jeffy, my boy, on with the show. Welcome, everybody, friends, folks, foes, and fellow pirate mateys, to this week's Friday night feature edition of Pirate Radio Podcast. It's episode number 194. I'm your host, as always, the Robin Hood's Chief Communications Officer, Jaffe Ryder. Joining us this week to discuss the infamous Zodiac killings, author Drew Beeson is our Friday night feature guest. In sighting in on the Zodiac killer, he unveils his newly discovered clues, connections, and compelling evidence that points to the man hiding in plain sight who just might be the Zodiac killer having already appeared on a multitude of podcasts, including Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett, House of Mystery, and Coast to Coast AM. Drew is currently working on a book about the Riverside murder of Sherry Jo Bates and a novel about missing persons. We're going to get to him in just a moment or two, but before we do... Let's remind listeners that the website we want you to check out, of course, as always, is simply WPRPN.com. Sign up is free. We've got an email as well, too, as one might expect. Pirate One Radio at ProtonMail.com. That's how you can reach us. If you have any guest or show ideas, we are actually almost on the verge of being booked up for the balance of the year. However, one just never knows what could happen as far as scheduling is concerned because guests sometimes cancel, they uh, get sick or have uh, their hands full on the home front and you know life goes on so definitely do contact us if that's what you'd like to do suggest a a guest or show idea on top of that the the email is very helpful pirate one radio at protonmail.com if you have any paypal donations you'd like to send our way we're always very much appreciative of the few dollars that people do sometimes help to pass on to us. Uh, half of everything that we do manage to put together does go directly back to charity as well, too. Uh, if you take a look at the FAQ page, courtesy of WPRPN, you'll be able to 
see it all laid out there in black and white. So uh, we have a Patreon as well, too, forward slash WPRPN, kind of like a tip jar sort of approach way of doing things as far as supporting the show is concerned. And Minds.com, got to love those digital tokens. They really help to provide the kind of wind that our sales so often need. So, uh, you know, we've got two folks standing by here as well, too. Friends and fellow pirate mateys. Before we get to Drew, we're going to bring them on board. Just see how they are doing. What uh, What's taking place as far as what they can see is from their vantage point. But I'm wondering, we've got, who are we looking at there first? Reverend Jim, I guess. We'll, we'll see if we can pull him up here. He was on his way up to the crow's nest. Not sure if he's made it up there entirely yet or not. But um, he was also actually live streaming us, uh, syndicating as he so diligently has been doing here the past number of months. We very much appreciate. Jim, have you made it to the top of the crow's nest yet? Uh, how are things looking from where you're currently situated? Hi, Jaffe. I'm up here, and uh, looks like we got a small crowd rising up over here on uh, your DLive channel. And we've got uh, quite a few people over on... Uh, YouTube already. We got uh, on the fence with Musa. Uh, Jennifer Knight, she's driving right now, so she can't be in the chat, but she is listening. And uh, there's a few other names here already that I did not recognize, but uh, welcome to everyone. And haven't made it over on to Facebook yet, but uh, I will do that. And uh, I think it's going to be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. I've got a few questions maybe to ask later, too. Main question I've got for you right now is uh, any sign of the Kraken? No. So far, uh, things are looking smooth. It, it looks like we may have smooth sailing. <clears throat> well, you, you just never know. I wouldn't get too over, overly confident because the, the Kraken does have a tendency to rear its ugly head just when you least expect it, unfortunately. But we'll see how things play out here. So thank you for that, Reverend Jim. We'll uh, maybe check in with you around the halfway point of uh, this week's live stream. Of course, things are set to run for approximately 90 minutes, uh, as always. Now, we've got another friend and fellow Pirate Manias. Uh, we'd also like to touch base with here before we turn our sights to the featured guest of the week, Drew Beeson. Um, Pirate Larry, Los Angeles, California. Let's just see if we can find what we're looking for. There we go. That's right. Yeah, so it's the Howling Wolf, the Scurvy Dog, the Mossy Wench. Jeez, Larry. Uh, why don't you tell us where is it? One of those watering holes that you've managed to find your way into. Uh, 
You hear a bit of commotion there in the background, of course. So, where where are you? Yeah, I was out on I was out on Dead Man's Bluff. Right, last week. And uh, I was standing there watching the sunset when all of a sudden, this little tentacle came out of the sea and wrapped itself around my boot. And it gave me a kiss and then went back into the sea. I think that was a kraken, Chappie. Oh, dear God. I think that was a kiss of death. So I hightailed it into to the uh, scurvy dog inn and had myself a couple couple already. Yeah, I had to have a couple. <laughs> just, to, just to calm your, your nerves a little. So, oh, boy. Wow. So I'm sure there's a few of the regular patrons in the, the scurvy dog who uh, are quite eager wanting to hear your, your story, of course. Uh, Kraken or, or some kind of Cthulhu-type, maybe H.P. Lovecraft mermaid creature. I really don't know. It's You were the only witness to the event, but uh, we, we can maybe save more of this this depth and detail uh for the after show you can fill us in a little more as to yeah, what everybody's uh, got to sign up for the after show to find out what happened there you go yeah that's where folks get access to the premium content that we're we're putting out uh to the world so well thank you so much uh, los angeles california yeah and uh i think it sounds like larry's really doing well there a lot of uh vim and vigor in his voice so managing to regain the health that uh had taken such a hit of course a few months ago really just great to see him you know squarely back on the road to recovery all right enough of the introduction then and uh, delay, as it were. I think what we're going to do is welcome Drew to the show, if we can bring him on, and if he can find his mute button. I know he's been waiting there patiently. Mr. Beeson, uh, courtesy of Houston, Texas, are you there? I'm here. Oh, that's great. You know, you really know how to draw a crowd. We had... 13 people waiting for you on YouTube, which is a little higher than our regular numbers, and we're already up to 20, as it is. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and, you know, on top of that, we've got Facebook and uh, D Live as well, too, so uh, things definitely off to a very high-energy start. Let's just remind listeners as well, too, that if you do have any questions for Drew... Any thoughts, comments, criticisms, you name it, let us know in the comments section and we'll do our best to address what it is you, uh, what you leave there for us to, to ponder. So now we had a bit of a pre-interview and a chance to, you know, shoot the breeze for a couple minutes uh, before kicking things off here. And uh, from what you told us, you've only been up to this whole authorship business uh, and really having you know committed yourself to the whole thing 
over the past year or so. I don't think we ever did get the story straight, though, or the details did not emerge as to what your actual job entails. How do you manage to put food on the table, clothes on your back, that sort of thing? Uh, Houston, Texas, any uh, connection or ties to the oil industry, perchance? No, I don't, but I'm around a lot of it, of course. But uh, I'm in the real estate industry, the commercial real estate industry. So, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand with the oil and gas here, which is kind of slow from the virus and just other factors going on with that. So uh, definitely tied to it, but not doing it directly. Uh, been in the real estate business for 25 years. So a little burned out. So I definitely love to do this kind of stuff full time. If I'm one of the few lucky, uh, the few in the proud, I guess you could say. Real estate, I should have known. Yeah, that was my second guess. <laughs> so yeah, it's one or the other here. It's generally <laughs> one of the one of the, one of the, or the medical medicals too. Pretty pretty big in Houston. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and the COVID, you know, I was actually just thinking about this uh, this morning. I'm of course here based out of South Korea. You're over there on the other side of the world with um, the rest of the the guys. Pirate Larry, Reverend Jim, and um, you know we're, we've been hit really hard with these monsoon, these seasonal rains, uh, in a big way the past couple weeks. Really, just almost just incessant, nonstop. So, uh, and I, I know that Texas is is big for that as well too. A lot of flooding. I mean, geez, uh, Houston just last year, as a matter of fact, you guys, there was a lot of people that. That lost their lives, of course. I, I, go ahead. Yeah, it was surreal. It was surreal. It was Hurricane Harvey, and it just, uh, you know, not a big wind event, but this huge, massive rains came, and then they kind of went back into the Gulf, and they circulated right back over us and just parked it right there. And it was just this apocalyptic deluge of rain that just wouldn't stop. I mean, just kept going. It was like... You know, starting to inch up my driveway, but there were just places I went not even far from here, and I didn't flood. A lot of people did, like my aunt, but it was just surreal how some of this stuff looked. Three feet of water and all these houses and stuff, and really sad, really crazy. I mean, everybody thought it'd be another non-event, but it, it certainly wasn't. And uh, how exactly did you manage to stay um, safe then? You just hunkered down at your house or just hunkered down. And at the point at my house, you know, the neighbors were coming out and they were looking at the, you know, just starting to inching up the driveways and we were lucky where we are. There's a lot of detention ponds and stuff like that. It's just kind of, you know, came to where you were is, is if you got hit or not. And if you were by one of these bios and things like that in Houston that overflowed their banks, cause they had to release a lot of the floodwaters that were happening more North of Houston into those channels. And, you know, to, so they didn't break or whatever. And it just contributed to even more flooding. So it just wasn't the rain. It was these, these levees, I guess, being released with more water coming down that would flood people out, you know, that, that otherwise wouldn't have flooded. So and, uh, it was crazy. And now this year, of course, it's the COVID. So I actually heard a news report just a couple days ago, maybe last week, approximately, that uh, there was a whole number of, of babies, little children, actually, who were... Uh, I'm not sure how they're doing now from, from a health standpoint. Hopefully there weren't any who passed away, but gosh, that's a pretty, um, that's, that's, you know, 
children, infants. You know, you know the one, the story I'm talking about. And yes, folks, yeah. in case you're wondering, we are going to get to the zodiac in just a moment here. But just to get this out of the way because this is one of these big stories. There was a what, what twenty? 20 infants in a hospital down in Texas there that how are they doing I think they're doing okay I haven't heard another update on it but that that was a pretty shocking uh, story strange real strange too yeah so all right well uh you know as as far as the the meat of the matter here as it were and the real focus the, the theme of the Zodiac, we have got, Evan from Texas actually left a comment here in the YouTube chat box area saying Drew is one of the few people doing real actual research on Zodiac, so he already has my respect. I doubt we agree on everything, maybe even very little. But I'm interested in what he finds out. So, have you heard of Evan from Texas, or is actually he... I have? Yeah, I don't know him that well, but I have heard of him. I know he is a. Uh, I think he's a fan of the uh, the Zodiac hoax theory, as it's called, which involves multiple killers and and, and some police involvement. Where it was, uh, you know, a guy, one of the police that investigated the crimes, named Hal Snook, was involved. And I think Evan's a fan of that and has done a really good uh, video on that. It's called The Hoax Theory, and I think it definitely has a place in this uh, the study of the Zodiac Killer. So I respect his uh, work as well. I've actually heard of that hoax theory. That's, that's right. So maybe we can get into that here a little more, uh, take a closer look at, at things on that front as uh, the show goes on. But before we do that, we've got Gabrielle Maylock. Enigma Smith, Barbecue Jim, John Maylock, or Melock. Uh, he's left some pretty positive and supportive comments, I guess. Uh, a must-read for any true crime buff that he highly recommends is what John is saying. So I guess from the looks of things here, he's actually already uh, checked out your book and... Uh, presumably has dropped by here to see what further items, angles, you know, bits of information he might be able to pick up to f to better uh, round things out, as it were. So Cheryl Bryan, Laurie Signs, Johnny Canuck, who else we got there? Oh, just a whole host. Jennifer Knight, great to have her dropping in, I think, as Barbecue Jim explained there just a couple minutes ago, she was on the road driving, so yeah, uh, and I, it looks like now our computer has, for whatever reason, we got, we're, okay, this is the, the, uh, oh boy, we're, we're good to go here, you know, the system that we have in place, if, now as long as the, the, the desktop that we stream from doesn't, doesn't uh, choke, freeze up, or crash. We're, we're we're fine, and there's been a couple times here now where I've actually had to reboot our other desktop while we've done these shows simply because of the the overload. I guess there's too much for the CPU or the the memory, something along those lines. So we try not to have too many browsers open. That seems to be uh, where the main burden. Uh, originates from unfortunately 
we'll stay on top of that as things go on here. So, well, let's hear a little bit more about you then. As far as your background, you were a realtor, or you still are a realtor, and this this writing business, I guess, is something that you are... Well, why don't you fill us in a little more then, as far as why you've decided to take on the... Basically become an author i suppose in the indie sense of the word at present uh who knows where it all could lead could be uh you know it could be well it's kind of a crapshoot i guess when it comes right down to it but we were talking i think it was the pre pre-show the cloak of the of the brethren is another one of your books db cooper you've uh, already put something together regarding that whole story and saga so um we might even have to get you back to go uh you know go into more detail and provide us with a little more coverage as far as that whole um amazing story uh it was concerned so I love uh db cooper love db cooper that's definitely one of my all-time favorites in it all came from uh, the TV show Unsolved Mysteries, which uh-huh. now is having a reboot, as you probably well know, but uh, the original show was, man, that was it for me. Robert I, Stack. Robert Stack. How do you, you can't be, that guy just had such class, you know, he's just such a good uh, narrator and host, you know, wearing his trench coat. Oh, and yeah. Just, this well-bred, well-spoken actor, you know, he was just the perfect and, fit for that show. And he was, he was one of the, he, well, the Untouchables, the the original Untouchables. Absolutely, original Untouchables. Delete Ness. There we go. So, geez, just just reminding me, I've got to hit Pirate Bay after we wrap things up here. <laughs> <laughs> Download that series. So, ah, yes, me hearties, uh, we are pirates, and and I wouldn't encourage anyone to to pirate uh, movies necessarily, but to freely share among friends through through Pirate Bay. I don't. There's nothing. Well, I talked to a lawyer about the whole business just a couple of years ago. He said as long as there's no money trading hands, that it's, it's, he didn't understand why there was a problem whatsoever. So moving right along, though, uh, yeah, D.B. Cooper, that's not why we're, we're here this week, though. The, the Zodiac uh, killings, you know, the first question, I guess, really that I've got for you then is when did these killings actually kick off uh, is the san francisco bay area i guess the late 60s and they ran up until around the the mid to early 70s is that not the case no that the uh the crimes actually were in uh, 1968 1969 only oh. and then the zodiac began his letter writing campaign which did go up till the mid 70s and a lot of people think they, they went a little further with some of these other letters that weren't totally confirmed to be authentic or not but the uh, first known what we call canonical zodiac crime there was only four the first one happened on a place called lake herman road it was in benicia california and that was on december 20th 1968 on a, on a cold december night that was the first murder and it was a, a high school couple there was um, david arthur faraday and betty lou jensen two high school kids it was on there on a lover's lane that's how that theme kind of it was one of the things that started tying the Zodiac crimes together were lovers lanes, uh, even though the first two crimes were on lovers lanes and the third one was a, a couple that was on a, on a lake shore. 
near uh, in Napa, California. So uh, that's kind of where that all comes from. But just uh, 1968, 1969, just four canonical crimes. But the Zodiac's connected to several other crimes that no one can really prove. So they're really just called the non-canonical Zodiac crimes, like uh, the murder of a lady named Sherry Jo Bates in uh, Riverside, California in 1966 is tied in. A lot of people you know, act like that's just definitely a Zodiac crime, but it's really kind of 50-50. Uh, in the Zodiac world, if that is the Zodiac killer or not. So why is that the case? Uh, why is it considered to be sort of on the fence, basically? Well, you know, first of all, it's not in the Bay Area. It, you know, Riverside's close to Los Angeles. You probably well know. Uh, there was, uh, the, you know, the local police really heavily believe it was the, it was the girl's um, boyfriend at the time because she left Riverside briefly to go up to San Francisco and got engaged to another man. And apparently he wasn't happy about it and they had a public dispute. And this guy's still alive, this this boyfriend. So uh, people are always careful to ever say his real name, which I know, but he goes under a pseudonym, but uh, he's still around, still alive. But uh, they, they, they have, you know, they're kind of all in thinking it was this guy. The reason it's tied into a possible Zodiac crime was is there was a, a desktop poem they discovered in a library where this girl was at. And it was scrawled into a desk and this real creepy, murdery stuff. And, uh, you know, a letter was sent to the police that uh, called the confession letter for Sherry Jo Bates. And uh, a handwriting expert in California said that, you know, he matched it to the Zodiac's other letters to be the handwriting when they were you know, investigating this when they tied it all in. But, uh, you know, it's never totally proven to be a Zodiac crime or not. In fact, the four canonical crimes really only tied together was pure circumstantial evidence. None, none of the fingerprints that were ever recovered from any of the crimes even matched the other, which is pretty wild. But uh, they're pretty sure that these four crimes that happened in the Bay Area are definitely the Zodiac, if that's a lone person or a group of persons. So wait a minute. I, you, you just said... I, if I heard you correctly, uh, that the fingerprints, none of the fingerprints in any of the cases actually matched. Is that right? That's right. They have partials from a payphone that they know he used when he called in after you know one of the crimes. He called in two of the crimes on a payphone. And then they have his last murder was uh, a cab driver. It was just the, the only uh, attack on a lone person, which was a cab driver named Paul Stein in the Presidio in San Francisco on October 11th, 1969. And it was a really bloody attack. He shot at uh, Paul Stein in the back, the Zodiac did, in the back of the head. And they recovered some some fingerprints latent in, you know, in the blood on the, got on the side of the cab. I think it was on the crossbar on the side. And they can't even prove those are you know, the Zodiac's prints are not. It's a lot of people really believe they are. Some say, well, it could have been the paramedics, but even those prints don't match up to the ones they got off the payphone from one of the other crimes. So it's really kind of odd in that way. So that, that definitely lends to a lot of conspiracy in this case. Like I mentioned earlier, the hoax theory kind of, come, you know, that kind of helps the hoax theory that you can't tie the crimes together. So it leads to a lot of that. I had no idea. So uh, I, I think uh, a few people out there in our listening audience had something of an idea, however, because we've got comments coming at us fast and furiously now, uh, up to 24 people altogether tuning in via just YouTube alone, and uh, more support 
support for your DB Cooper story. If Dick Don, oh Don, I thought it said Dick Cheney. Don yeah, Cheney. that happens a lot in this case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as as we we were just kind of covered in brief uh, during the the, the pre pre show interview, uh, Ted Cruz. It, it could. What are the chances, huh? So, what's that all about? I'm not even really sure where the whole Ted Cruz thing came up. I, you know, I, I don't really even know the origins of that. I, I, I know that when he uh, retweeted the Zodiac symbols that people really went wild with it. Um, after he heard enough, he just decided to play along and retweeted some Zodiac, the Zodiac symbols from the Zodiac ciphers, and people really went crazy. But, yeah, you still hear it all the time. Jeez, how creepy is that? You would think as a politician he'd have better... <laughs> I don't know. I don't. It doesn't. It's, it's, it's yeah, a little, he didn't help it any. He no. didn't help it any by doing that. Well, and to think too that uh, his father was, I think, was it Trump that fingered or implicated him as being probably started with Alex Jones and a few, the JFK deal. Yeah, on the, on the grassy knoll. Ted Cruz's father was on the grassy knoll. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why Trump went after that one. I, I, I don't. I highly doubt that Ted Cruz's father was in, on the grassy knoll, but somebody was. Well, you know what's interesting? I don't know if it's the grassy knoll or not, but uh, he was said to have been uh, chummy, tight with with Oswald. In fact, there's pictures of them uh, together. I do believe. And uh, it was enough just in Trump bringing it up for, if you if you remember that it was just quite shortly after that, that Cruz dropped out of the race. So uh, maybe there's a little more to it than what people realize as far as the Cuban connection is concerned. Could, could be, could uh, be. I love a good conspiracy, and uh, there's definitely some that are going to be had with the JFK. Okay. So, indeed, and, and what more can you tell us then of the, the zodiac? We have now the the cryptology, or I think I don't even know if I have the term right, but the the crypt cryptic uh, serial killers—they have this way of taunting the police. It seems time and again we find that for some reason, and uh, in this instance, the way that for the most part. It seems the the Zodiac killer approached things was in encrypting uh, the, the ciphers, I believe, is as is the term you use, and only one to this this point has been encrypted. So, if you can maybe That's just correct. yeah, give us a bit more of a kind of overview rundown of of, of where things stand currently on that front. Sure, uh, like I said, the first crime was in December of uh, nineteen sixty eight. And the ciphers did not appear until uh, they were mailed on July 31st, 1969. And, you know, the name Zodiac wasn't even used yet. We've already had two crimes up to this point. We had Lake Herman Road, and then we had a, a shooting of a couple at Blue Rock Springs Park in Vallejo, California. And that was on July 4th, 1969. And at the end of that month, uh, some letters came into three different Bay Area newspapers that said, you start out with the ominous words, Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. And that's what we call the debut of the Zodiac letter. And accompanied with that letter was a three-part cipher. Each newspaper got a different section of a, of a cipher. It was like one, you know, one section, two, and three. And they, they got them all together. 
And that was the only one, like you mentioned, was solid. It was called the 408 cipher, and that's because there's 408 individual characters in it, which were little symbols that the Zodiac used. That's why it's called the 408. And that cipher was solved by a school teacher named Donald Jean Harden and his wife. And, uh, you know, she just kind of, you know, they were just kind of puzzlers, basically, is what she said. And, and uh, you know, he was a school teacher and she was just the housewife and they had a daughter and they sat around their kitchen table trying to figure out this cipher. And they knew he'd be egotistical. So they said, I guarantee you the word I is going to be in here because this guy's going to be like a narcissist. Right. And they knew the word kill would be in there. So they kind of started with that basic premise and managed to uh, to solve that cipher. And of course, it didn't give away his identity. He just made references to uh, killing people, which they think came from the book, The Most Dangerous Game. He said, I like killing people, uh, you know, because man's the most dangerous animal of all thing, you know, things like that, uh, you know, didn't give his identity, but it, but they did break it. You know, he, you know, that couple did. So that actually kind of made Don Harden a suspect because he did solve the cipher and, and, you know, they apparently had the Navy working on it and stuff like that, but they could never break it. And then the other, you know, more well-known talked about Zodiac cipher is called the 340. And no one's been able to break that. There's several people that claim they have, and all the solutions are different. And you know, I think personally, it's not breakable because you'd have to have the cipher key. But uh, people are always taking a hack at it because that's the one he said he hid his identity in, and, I, and no one's done it to this day, even though every week someone's claimed to have broken it. But that's kind of where we sit with the ciphers. Uh, there's one. I mean, how many suspects are there to begin with? There have been just countless over the years, I do believe, that have been fingered, including uh, this this one individual whose name came up over the course of the research that I was uh, engaged in here during the lead-up to the show, Ross Sullivan, uh, who, to me, you know, it's interesting... You know, I guess 50 plus years after the fact, it's maybe it's it's uh, well, you know, how in comedy, the old expression uh, too soon. <laughs> so but that what we have here, it seems with this Ross Sullivan character is what I would say looks to be a dead ringer for you, Steve per, Parent or Parent, who was one of the Manson victims actually shot in the face by, uh, is that the Tate LaBianca? No, I guess let's get our facts straight now. It was, um, it was at the Tate residence, two separate places, folks, <laughs> Tate and LaBianca, but that he was, uh, visiting the premises to have a, I think it was a clock or a radio or a radio clock fixed or returned anyways uh he was he was he was friends with the young fellow who um lived out in the in the guest house and for whatever reason escaped being uh murdered that night as well but he was at on his way out of the tate residence yeah shot it was pretty pretty brutal of course but uh, that's how the story goes. It just seems strange. Yeah, are you familiar with with Steve Parent and uh, the look? The they 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 there's a striking resemblance there. I, I'm I'm sure some of our listeners know what uh, what I'm talking about here. Yeah, so I've heard of it, but I definitely okay. want to check it out more. You'll have to take a look. 
And it's just one of those coincidences, I guess. So maybe yeah, that was yeah. just the style back in the day. These it young, was the style. The it crew was the cut. Style. The crew cut, the, the, the blonde crew cut, and the glasses. Right. Everybody looks like that sketch. Right. Everybody. Go, look at a yearbook anytime between 1960 and 1978. I mean, all the men in there look like that sketch. They do. And, and Ross Sullivan is probably one of the closer ones. I'll agree with that. But one of the problems with Ross Sullivan is he's a really big guy. He is 300 pounds. He was at the time of the Zodiac crimes. He was every bit of 300 pounds and six, two, maybe six, three. So he's very big. You know, the Zodiac was, you know, by the witnesses all said he was stocky, bigger about, you know, five, 11, six feet. If you kind of take a, an average of all the different, you know, descriptions that we have, which aren't many, but we do have some, no one had a guy as big as Ross Sullivan. He was a big guy. And I've seen people try to argue for him a lot and say, well, he was fat, but not blubbery fat. It's like, it's kind of silly. It's, it's, it's like, he's, it's a major strike against him. And another thing he has going against him is that he had really bad mental problems and, you know, he was in a, he was institutionalized in the early sixties. And then he was institutionalized again in, uh, I think 71. And he, he, uh, had, re, you know, a lot of the, like, I think he was uh, schizophrenic and, uh, bipolar, you know, the whole thing. I mean, he had, had at least two, two pretty bad mental conditions from what I remember. I know he was at minimum bipolar. And if you look at what the Zodiac did, he had, he was definitely organized mentally, by writing the ciphers, not getting caught is a big one, and doing the taunting. I just don't think Ross Sullivan had that mentally, uh, you know, outside of not matching descriptions. And he has no ties whatsoever to the Vallejo area, which these crimes kind of center around. He uh, became a suspect because he went to Riverside College with Sherry Joe Bates that I mentioned earlier, which is not a totally confirmed Zodiac crime. And he worked in the library there, and she was at the library the night she was murdered. And he were he I don't think Ross Sullivan was there that night, but he did work in that library and when he was going to college then. And a lot of people at the library that worked there said, Man, that Ross Sullivan creeps me out. He wore military clothing at the time and they found a military type boot print at the Sherry Joe Bates murder, which was outside of the library in a back courtyard. And uh he kind of became a suspect that way. And uh he just kind of was real popular. He was the suspect du jour on Reddit probably for two years, but I think he's finally starting to fade out the more people look that you know kind of look into him. Okay. So all sorts of theories, all sorts of suspects. Uh you, however, have nailed it down to one person in particular. I'm not sure if this is the machinist. I think he was something of a machinist who had a very sophisticated mathematical background. And uh, maybe he could go more into that if I've got the right individual in mind. Clearly, I, I know very little of the case myself. So uh, I, I think, though, you, you know who I'm... Uh, who I'm, yeah, who I think I'm getting well, there's two people. Yeah. There's two people because you know, obviously, we're talking about ciphers, which right. are, mat are mathematical. And in one of the zodiac letters, he he talks about uh, he uses the term radians. And uh, the layperson wouldn't have known what a radian is then, and they really wouldn't know what it is now unless you probably used it in your vocation. Now, my suspect's name is Donald Lee Cheney, and he was a mechanical engineer. 
Uh, as far as people, the other people that are suspects that may have known Matt to that level, or he's uh, one guy, his name is Gareth Penn. You might be thinking of him as well. He was a linguist, but he knew math really well, and he came up with something that was called the radiant theory. Uh, he's a Zodiac suspect, too, but uh, my particular suspect is named Donald Lee Cheney, and he was a mechanical engineer, which I can relate to a lot of the Zodiac symbols. The, you know, what they call the Zodiac cross-circle logo, which is, of course, the famous uh, circle with the with the cross going through it. That's, you know, they basically call the cross-circle logo. And uh, and in drafting in uh, mechanical engineering, that's called position. You know, the symbol's actually called position, so it's something that a mechanical engineer would have definitely identified with that symbol. Um, so that's one of the things my guy has going for him. And uh, Donald Lee Cheney comes on the scene because he brought forward the number one Zodiac suspect to this day because of the weight of the circumstantial evidence against him. And that person's name is Arthur Lee Allen. And if you anyone read the book called Zodiac by Robert Gray Smith, most of that book is about you know, telling you or, or that, that he believes that uh, Arthur Lee Allen is the Zodiac killer. And we wouldn't know about Arthur Lee Allen if it weren't for a man named Donald Lee Cheney, who's my suspect, who brought forward Arthur Lee Allen in the summer of 1971 uh, with his boss, went to police. And, and, you know, and as Don Cheney says, he saw something in the paper that reminded him of what his friend Arthur Lee Allen told him on New Year's Day of 1969. And it was a Zodiac letter where the Zodiac threatened to uh, pick off the little kitties as they come bouncing off the bus. Don claims when he saw that in the new, you know, reprint in the newspaper, it jarred his brain and remembered, oh, my buddy told me all this stuff about how he wanted to be a killer and he was going to call himself the Zodiac and, you know, and this whole story. And then he drove him around to show him a couple of the sites at the lover's lanes where he was going to kill some people. And uh, so good old Don waits until the summer of 71 when the last murder was in, Oct in October of 69. So there's a pretty big gap there, isn't it? If you really thought your friend was going to tell you he was going to go be a serial killer on New Year's Day 1969, you're going to wait till the summer of 71 to report it. First flag on the field for this guy, right? Um, and once you start learning these things, it's crazy. I, th I think I saw in the live chat, James asked, why would Don Cheney uh, in insert himself like that? Or why would he go to police if he, was, if he was the killer? Let's see what James said. He said, hi, Drew. If Don Cheney really was Zodiac, why would he want to talk to the police? Well, James, I can answer that because he wanted to enjoy what he created as Zodiac. Very similar to uh, BTK, who on uh, which is Dennis Rader was the BTK killer. If people aren't familiar with that, BTK, he named himself. It stands for Bind, Torture, Kill. And these two cases are similar in that respect because on the 10th anniversary, I think, of the first murder by BTK, he, you know, they, they, there was an article in the in the newspaper that BTK saw, and it made him feel nostalgic for for what he did. So he started mailing things to the press and the police, which led to his capture. I think he sent in a floppy disk back in the day. Remember those? Us older people do. And uh, he thought he had erased it all, but he didn't. And somehow the police recovered a file on there that showed he was the president of his church council. So that's what led to the capture of the BTK killer. But it's similar with Don Cheney, in my opinion, that he created all this. That's why he came forward with his friend Arthur Lee Allen being the Zodiac, so he could enjoy what he— created to have a front row seat. Basically, some of these killer killers, killers will do that. They will insert themselves in the case. Like, they will go to the police and say, hey, I want to help you. You know, I'm going to help you solve this case. Well, that's what Don Cheney was doing by bringing forward this great suspect. 
and Arthur Lee Allen. And Arthur Lee Allen was this creepy guy. If you saw the movie Zodiac, he was uh, this you know, overweight guy at the time, and he was real creepy. He was a child molester. He, he was a school teacher, and he was inappropriate touching some of his students he wasn't a murderer he, was, he never had done anything violent that really anyone know knew of other than this one really early on incident but uh he was a child molester and uh so what better patsy would there be than this guy arthur lee allen and i think don knew that and planned it from the start um don met arthur lee allen through arthur lee allen's younger brother ron allen because they were going to school together at Cal Poly in Pomona, where Don uh, was uh, majoring in mechanical engineering. And then that's how he met the older brother, which was was Arthur Lee Allen. And you got to wonder why this guy, because at the time, Don Cheney was married in 1962, the same year he met Arthur Lee Allen. He had two young children that were born in, I think, 64 and 65. So why is he hanging out with this this really rough, hard-to-be-around child molester guy? You know, it's got to make you wonder. And uh, I think it was just the perfect patsy for Don, because Don so much better lines up as the Zodiac. And the reason Arthur Lee Allen is still the top suspect is because some of the circumstantial evidence against him is better than anyone else. And in a lot of ways, it's even better than the, what I'd say, quote unquote, unknown suspect. Because Arthur Lee Allen did own a Zodiac model wristwatch. And that watch wasn't, you know, that popular. It was, it was used mainly by skin divers, which Arthur Lee Allen was actually an accomplished skin diver, whatever that is, you know, where you would just kind of dive with like the snorkel on, I think, kind of thing, you know, not tanks, but you would dive under the water, hold your breath or whatever. And, uh, but he got that watch for Christmas of 1967 and his brother got an identical watch. So this is way before the debut of the Zodiac letter and, uh, you know, that was mailed on July 31st, 1969. So Arthur Allen already has this watch. What makes the watch significant, though, is it has the famous cross circle logo and it's called Zodiac. The wristwatch is really one of the only places anywhere where the logo and the name Zodiac go together. So that's no small uh, piece of evidence that Arthur Lee Allen has that watch. But who knew he had the watch? Don Chaney did. Uh, another thing against Arthur Leon was he would misspell words for comedic effect. Like, you know, he would say, he would write Christmas cards, like his sister-in-law got a Christmas card from him that had Christmas spelled with two S's. Well, that exact phrase spelled like that shows up in one of the Zodiac letters. Arthur Leon also used the phrase trigger mech for mechanism. He'd short mechanism to mech. His sister-in-law, Karen Allen, swore up and down. Yeah, he says he would use that. You know, he would use that phrase, trigger mech. So there's so many things that, that, that point to Arthur Lee Allen. And, and the biggest thing is, and this is what I build almost everything on, is for some reason, the third canonical Zodiac crime happened at a place called Lake Berryessa in Napa, where a couple was laying out, you know, on the lakeside. It was Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Ann Shepard. And they were, it was a knife attack. It was the only knife attack by the Zodiac. But what's interesting is just... Two weeks after that stabbing at Lake Berryessa by the Zodiac, police questioned Arthur Lee Allen. And, the, and, and why? You know, why would they question him? Who, who tipped him off to go talk to Arthur Lee Allen? He was not some violent guy. He was, uh, you know, had appropriately touched some kids, never went to jail for it yet. But that's, they, and they went back and talked to the officer. He can't remember why or who told him to go interview Allen. And when they interviewed Arthur Lee Allen, they they asked him, well, you know, were you down at Lake Berryessa on this date of uh, September uh, 29, 1969? And he said, no, he goes, but uh, 
I was going to go to Lake Berryessa, but I decided to go down the coast instead. So he's already acting weird. Like, what are the odds that he tells him that? It's almost like he knows it's coming, you know? And it's he was just, like, really calm for some reason. And, you know, the more I dig into this, it just looks like it was orchestrated all by his friend Donald Lee Cheney. And I can tell you the genesis of this. There was a video called His Name Was Arthur Lee Allen on YouTube. And it came out and it, when the, uh, the movie Zodiac came out by David Fincher that was based on the Robert Graysmith book. And it mentions in there where when the advent of DNA came along, of course, that didn't exist back in you know the Zodiac crime era, but it came along later. And Don Cheney was aware of it. He made the statement that he would lick Arthur Lee Allen's stamps for him. And, you know, that sounds bizarre. Why would you lick your friend's stamps? You know, what is, you know, like, oh, he didn't like to taste the glue on the back of stamps. So Don claims he would lick the stamps for him. Well, I thought, obviously, he's afraid of his DNA showing up, right? And I can't think of any other reason why he would have said that. And from there, I said, this guy needs another look. So when, you know, I'd look at the comments under that video on YouTube and everybody says, God, this Don Cheney guy's really suspicious, you know, but no one could really put anything with him. And uh, a guy named Detective George Bauer inherited the case. You know, he's really the, the last lead detective on the Zodiac case. He passed away, I think, maybe a year and a half or so ago, pretty recently. And uh, he was pretty suspicious of Don Cheney, especially when he said the thing about the stamp licking. So they scheduled a polygraph for Don Cheney. When, at this point, Don's living up in Washington State. And uh, they came up from California and set up this, uh, I think it was in Tacoma, set up a polygraph for Don Cheney. Well, the day before that scheduled polygraph, which Don Cheney knew he had to take, he gets severely drunk the day before, knowing he has this coming up the day after. So he comes in so hungover to do this polygraph test that they have to cancel it. So think he's hiding something? Maybe. So they reschedule the test and it comes back inconclusive. And so he's got something to hide or he would have passed that test and not gotten drunk the day before. So the more you dig into this guy, the more stuff uh, that, that, you know, that that it just shocks you about him. Uh, I found out from a blog, you know, you know, that's what that is, you know, like like Evan from Texas said, Evan is from Texas. I remember that because that's where I live. But uh, said that, you know, that, that's the research and that's what I'm best at is finding the really gritty hard stuff. So I found a blog that was written by this guy's son, by Don Cheney's son, that and this guy's never mentioned the Zodiac, never mentions it in his blog. It's about building a camper to spread his to go on a trip to spread his father's ashes because he had already passed away. Don Cheney died, by the way, in 2009. And uh, so he just kind of talking about some memories of his father in between, you know, talking about the details of making this trailer by hand. This guy's a mechanical engineer too, like his father was. I mean, this, it's amazing what this guy could do. He could, he could even make the bolts to this trailer. He could fashion the wood and all this stuff. It's just incredible what he could do with his hands. But uh, he starts talking about there and these camping trips they would take. And he would, he mentioned that his father, meaning Don Cheney was a, was a mountain man. Like he was that skilled at like hunting big game and gutting animals and cooking animals. He said he was highly adept with knives. He said he had a preference to use carbon steel knives. I mean, well, Lake Berryessa was a knife attack. And it's my opinion that if you could stab a human being in there, and just the feel of that, when he already had a gun, you could just, if you just want to kill somebody, you could just use a gun. It's so much cleaner. But to stab a, someone with that long knife, it's just, you, I would think at minimum, if you haven't done it to a person before, you've definitely had experience doing it with an animal. But this guy would sharpen his knives. He, and, and more interesting than that, he made custom leather sheaths for his knives. 
And the uh, Brian Hartnell that was attacked at Lake Berryessa survived that attack. Uh, Cecilia Shepard passed away, but fortunately she gave a decent description. And this is the, like you showed up in some of these pictures on the slideshow where the Zodiac's wearing that famous hood uh, over his head. And he's got these glasses that look like, uh, you know, like a clip-on uh, sunglasses. And then he's got the famous cross circle logo uh, on his dickie. You, you would call it just this, uh, this uh, like executioners looking over you know, outfit over him in black, but with the white Zodiac cross and Brian Hartnell survived that attack. And he described the, you know, that how well made that, uh, that outfit was that the Zodiac was wearing. He said, it wasn't like, like the logo. He said, it wasn't like it was scrawled on with paint. He said, and this is his words, it was done with care, like sewn. Well, Don Cheney could sew. He was an avid sewer. His sister would sew all the uh, high school play uniforms and stuff like that. So I found out that Don was very highly adept at sewing and made his own custom sheaths for knives and for a, a hatchet that he bequeathed to his son. Well, people always like if you read a really good like uh, Korsgaard has a book about, you know, a Zodiac profile, he said would be a proficient sewer. Well, Don was. And making those leather sheaths because Brian Hartnell remembered the knife being a foot long with what looked like, you know, a custom sheath and a custom knife. Well, Don would sharpen knives. So it's just one of the many things I found out about him that just totally fit what we know about the Zodiac Killer. And it just kept building on itself. You know, it wasn't, if I started digging into him and didn't really find anything, I would have been fine to let it go. But I just kept finding more. And uh, it just kind of built from there. It really did. It just kept going. So, how popular of a suspect has Don Cheney been up until now, all things considered, as far as... I'd like to think he's, a, he's, he's definitely a better suspect now, hopefully because of my efforts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this isn't one of these... Remember, this isn't one of these just find a guy that you like and, and confuse him. Because everybody talks about, you know, your pet suspect, this kind of thing, and your, you know, and, and this bias confirmation. Like, everything you hear, you're going to try to pin on Don. I'm really not like that. I really try to be... Always get the facts right and let the person decide. Like, you know, you know, the people that like, that like the hoax theory or they like this other suspect, like a Ross Sullivan or a Richard Gajkowski is another one that you hear a lot. But I just put it out there for people to decide. They really will. And, uh, you know, you just present it to them and then, you know, it'll ring true to them or not. Um, but he's moved up the, the, the scale quite a bit. You know, I think, uh, you know, the first thing people would ask against Don it would be uh, okay if Don was a Zodiac killer. Why wouldn't he just, you know, because at the uh, at the Paul Stein killing when the cab driver was killed, uh, the Zodiac mailed in a piece of his bloody shirt to prove that it was him. When he sent in a letter that says to prove to you that I'm the Zodiac, here's a piece of the cab driver's bloody shirt. Well, it was legitimately, you know, from the cab driver because he cut off a piece of that shirt. Well, why wouldn't Don, if he had some more of that shirt or another item, just or, or one of the weapons that was used in one of the crimes, either the knife or one of the guns, just leave it at Arthur Lee Allen's house while you have access? That's probably all it would have taken to convict Arthur Lee Allen. Well, the reason that Don didn't do that is because the game would have been over. That's all it probably would have taken against Arthur Lee Allen because there was such, like I mentioned earlier, heavy circumstantial evidence against him. On top of them being a convicted child molester, it would not have taken much for a jury back in the day, before the days of DNA, to get a conviction on Arthur Lee Allen. And I think one of the reasons that Don didn't get looked at any, any, any more than he did was because he was the key to convicting Arthur Lee Allen. He was the lead witness, so you didn't want to come heavy after him and make him mad because you would never make a case against Arthur Lee Allen, including George Bauer, who had the, the you know, he was uh, from the uh, Vallejo Police Department and the last lead detective on the case. 
really wanted to bring Allen down for it. Now he was very suspicious of Don Chaney, but he, but, but like I said, again, he needed Don Chaney and uh, Don Chaney. Remember, this isn't just an innocent guy here. Uh, he brought forth Arthur Lee Allen as a suspect and he's changed his story multiple times. So he's not an innocent guy here. And that, that really could have screwed up his case. Even people that don't agree with me that Don's a Zodiac killer, they must agree that he's changed the trajectory of this case more than anyone by bringing Arthur Leon forward because the police spent so much time looking at Arthur Leon and never getting anything real on him. Arthur Leon's home was searched. His trailer was searched. They weren't done simultaneously. That could have led to a mistake. They found a lot of weird stuff. But they didn't find anything directly linking him to the murders. Uh, his DNA te was tested. It was negative. His fingerprints were tested. It was negative. Don Chaney's uh, DNA was tested as well, and it was negative. But it came from one uh, letter that was sent in in 1969, which is called, I call the Paul Stein letter because it's the one that was mailed in with his bloody shirt. But uh, they later determined that the DNA sample, which is weak, I think it's four out of nine markers if you know anything about DNA, it's weak. But it came from the outside of the stamp. So this isn't the person licking it. So it could have been anyone that handled the letter. So it really puts Arthur Lee Allen back in play, too. Um, it's really not enough to convict him on. So, um, you know, I would say that he's probably, I would say, a top 10 suspect, but still not even towards the top. But if you ever see a survey, you'll always see Arthur Lee Allen still riding in that top position. And what I claim about Don is that everything against Arthur Lee Allen, misspelling words, uh, that show up in the Zodiac letters, all this kind of circumstantial heavy stuff against Arthur Lee Allen, all transfers over to Don Chaney and then some. And one of the main things better going for Don is Don better fits the physical descriptions of what people saw in the Zodiac killer. Um, one of the officers that noticed the Zodiac named Donald Falk at, um, at the Presidio after Paul Stein, the cab driver, was was, was killed, the, you know, because they, uh, they screwed that up on the police radio. They, they claimed that they were... Uh, right after he was murdered, they were looking for a, a black male and not a white male. So this patrol car pulled up and what they believe was the Zodiac walking by and they let him go because they were looking for a, a black guy, not a white guy. But uh, they later believed that this officer and his partner saw the Zodiac and he described him as barrel chested. And when I hear that term, I think of this guy, this like Popeye, you know, this big chest that sticks out. Not really like a bodybuilder, but just this naturally big chested guy. Well, if you ever see pictures of Don Cheney, even as an old man, he's the textbook definition of barrel chested. Uh, other suspects described him as stocky. Uh, about the best height description came from Cecilia Shepard at Lake Berryessa because uh, Deputy Dave Collins was interviewing her. Of course, she had just been horrifically stabbed and lost a lot of blood, but she was still conscious enough to answer some questions and he stood in front of her and said i'm 510 how tall do you think he was and she said 511 maybe six feet something like a couple inches taller than you so don cheney was six feet tall he fits the body description better than any other suspect uh and he does look pretty close in some of the pictures to the to the one you were talking about earlier that ross sullivan looked like so he's got a lot going for him and um uh, to add to all this, and I had already written a book about it, which if you have enough material on any single suspect to write an entire book, you got it a lot. And uh, I had already written the book, published the book, and had already made a great case against this guy before I found my biggest discovery ever about him. Um, well, one was he was ex-Air Force, and that's important because at Lake Berryessa, there was a shoe print, and they determined that came from what was called a wing walker boot. 
and that's something that the Air Force guys would use. I think some Navy, anybody that was around airplanes because it was a static free sole. It was a non-slip sole because there's grease and stuff like that around airplane hangers. Well, Don was in the Air Force for two years. And all the interviews he ever gave, he never mentions this. Of course not, because it would point towards him. But uh, some of the heavier things I found out about him is that Don Cheney was from Bakersfield, California. Now, that's four hours away from San Francisco. You know, not a real big town, but not not a small town either. But uh, he went to uh, Bakersfield High School, and then he went on to Bakersfield College, which is much smaller than the high school. It was a junior college for two years. And one of my biggest discoveries was that uh, San Francisco Chronicle reporter who reported, made himself famous on reporting on the Zodiac case. His name was Paul Avery. Now, people that have seen the movie Zodiac, he's played by uh, Robert Downey Jr. And Paul Avery was just a character in of his, of his own. And I found out that Paul Avery went to that same little junior college as Don Chaney back in 1953. And we're talking maybe 400 students between the, the, the freshmen and sophomores. And when Paul Avery was there, he was a reporter for the school newspaper at Bakersfield College. He was the director of student assemblies. So every Friday, Paul Avery gets up in front of the group and says, hey, students, today we're going to have, like, some seniors coming in, and then we're going to have refreshments or whatever. You know, he was the MC of that every Friday while he was there. He was there about a year and a half at Bakersfield College. So he was very visible. Now, I can't prove that Don Cheney knew him then, but I guarantee you Don Cheney knew of him because you couldn't miss him when he was there. And no one knew this before, that Paul was knowing none of Paul Avery's background that ever mentioned that he went to Bakersfield College. And wow, I found out he did. And then he got even better because in May of 1953, Bakersfield College has a, a play they're putting on. And the name of that play was called The Mikado, the Gilbert and Sullivan Light Opera um, from the late 1800s, you know, that was from England, from, you know, the uh, well-known, you know, uh, a, a play. But... Uh, the Zodiac was heavily influenced by the Mikado. He quotes it in a lot of his letters. One was called the Exorcist Letter. He says the phrase, tit willow, tit willow, that comes from the Mikado. He quotes it in a lot of his his uh, his correspondence. So if, he, if anyone had to name one thing that you know the Zodiac was influenced by that he shows through his letters, you would, number one, say that light opera, the Mikado. So what are the odds that he's at that little college with Paul Avery, who becomes the the reporter the main reporter on the zodiac crimes when he goes to the san francisco chronicle but the play that most influenced the zodiac was done at the same time they're there i mean that is circumstantial but it's mind-blowing circumstantial at this point it's just like there's a tie in there and the zodiac sent a piece of correspondence called the halloween card and he addressed it to paul avery he actually misspells his name averly you know like it's the zodiac like to misspell things for some kind of effect and uh he put to Avery, he put to, you know, from your secret pal is what he's referring to Paul Avery as. So when you know about that small connection in Bakersfield, it really starts opening things up. And, uh, you know, that's probably what I've already just said is probably about 30% of what I have on Don Cheney. So um, I'll play the suspect game with anybody. I really will. And you can tell I know all of them. So I didn't come into this lighthearted to accuse a guy that could be innocent. Cause like I said, his story changed multiple times and he definitely changed the, the direction of this investigation that could have stopped. If you don't believe it was Don, he definitely could have affected them finding the real killer because there was so much focus on Arthur Lee Allen due to Don Cheney coming forward. Indeed. Uh, and, and so you're really not much of a, 
a fan or believer then in the possibility that it actually was a, a group of individuals, say like a, a cult of, of sorts or just, you know, uh, some, a number of, of people who, who conspired to, uh, to, you know, to go around and, and engage in these, these murders, commit these awful deeds. I know that's that's probably one of the most popular you know uh, theories to discuss. It was it was first brought up by a guy named uh, uh, Thomas Oran, who wrote a book called uh, the Zodiac Hoax Theory, and it's interesting. And I think this case definitely has a place for it. I really do. I'm not a big fan of it because I think it kind of it, it makes so many assumptions. And I'm an Occam's Razor guy. I, I, I believe that the, the simplest solution is probably going to be the right solution, which is a single killer, at least for these four canonical crimes. Uh, you know, and I do. I think that's Don Chaney. I think it's possible Arthur Lee Allen had a smaller role, if he had a role at all. I can't say he had no role at all, but he may have. But uh, the multiple killer theory, or the or the single killer and a different letter writer. Man, I mean, just think about it. You've got to really trust those other people never to turn on you or they wind up dead. But, uh, you know, I've looked into that theory. I think there could be, you know, there's definitely going to be some anomalies in this case. That's probably why it's not solved. So I do not dismiss, dismiss that hoax theory at all. I think there could be some uh, some definite good things going on there. And I know when I made that Paul Avery connection with Don Cheney, the people that are to watch these other theories, they were taking note. If, you know, that might have helped them in some way, because I think a lot of them believe that Paul Avery is the key to breaking this case for, for whatever reason. Because at one point, I think that's a big part of the hoax theory is that Paul Avery was reporting this. It's got to be one guy or something like that. And then he just totally does a 180 on some of his stuff. And, uh, you know, he plays a big part in the hoax theories, too. So I think all eyes are on Paul Avery. But uh, when you get into these multiple killers and you say, OK, because I know in, in Haran's theory, he thinks that one of the park rangers at Lake Berryessa, the, the attack on the lakeshore that I mentioned, uh, he thinks one of the park rangers was the attacker of that couple. Uh, he was a park ranger named Dennis Land. Well, the problem is, is Brian Hartnell survived that attack. And Dennis Land's actually the one that put him in his own car and took him to get help. You know, so it's like. Why wouldn't he just finish him off? Or maybe it was too late, but Brian never identified him. So it, it makes some pretty crazy leaps. It really does. I mean, if you really try to study it in its totality, it just gets so heavy and assumptions everywhere. And it just it's just completely convoluted. But uh, there's probably some merit to it. Could be. I mean, something that we're missing, you know, maybe uh, Don could have been in cahoots with one of those guys. You can't we just don't know for sure. I just. I firmly believe that Don was the lead player in this because some of this stuff that was known that Arthur Lee Allen did, that, that just the it's the odds that that stuff's going to show up in the Zodiac letters later, not just the watch, but misspelling words, um, all of that that comes out against that comes out against Allen later. It's just it's just it's really a heavy amount of circumstantial evidence. And then, like I said earlier, going back to why was he questioned just two weeks? After the Lake Berryessa attack, uh, someone tipped off the police to go talk to this guy. And it's my opinion that this was all set up in advance 
uh, by Don. I think he knew he was going to do it. And uh, the biggest problem Don starts running into is he already has this story made up about how Arthur Lee Allen told him he was going to be the Zodiac killer and he was going to go murder couples on lover's lanes. And it started as the idea for a book. And, you know, when those two guys talking and then at some point, Arthur Lee Allen decides to act on it. But when Don first, this is really one of the only mistakes Don Cheney ever makes. When he first starts telling the story, he said that it happened on New Year's Day, 1968. And his story, you know, that he goes over to Art Lee Allen's house in Vallejo, California, because he's going to console him about losing his job as a school teacher from listing a student at Valley Springs. Well, what Don screwed up on coming up with that date originally is that Art Lee Allen didn't get fired from Valley Springs until April 1968. So there's a problem. So what does Don do? He moves that year from 68 to 69 to better fit his narrative. And that creates a few more problems for him later. So it's one of the few rare mistakes that he makes. Um, but if you study him like I have, he's highly intelligent. And he, he kind of tells you he's the killer through Arthur Lee Allen. Now, there's a, a Zodiac researcher named Tom Voigt. He's one of the better known ones. You've, if you talk about TV shows, Tom's on there a lot. You know, Mike Butterfield's on them a lot, but Tom Voigt's probably on the most because he's one of the first Zodiac guys, and he owns the ZodiacKiller.com website. It's the first one all this information on it. Well, he interviewed Don Cheney uh, pretty early on. You know, like I said, Don died in 2009 and uh, Tom Voigt interviews him in 2000. And uh, it's a really interesting transcript and it's on his site. And he's asking, you know, of course, it's all, you know, they meet at a restaurant when Tom's interviewing Don and they're, you know, it's under the guise of him just, you know, Tom getting more information on Arthur Lee Allen because that was Tom's head suspect, top suspect at the time. And he would ask him things like, um, you know, could Arthur Lee Allen sew? Well, you know why he's asking that because of the, you know, the outfit of Barry S. And Don would say things like, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, you know, why does it matter? Can't everybody sew? That was Don's response. It's like, no, not really. I know most men can't sew, not, not well. And so he just writes it off. And then he asked him, well, was Arthur Lee Allen into plays like the Mikado and opera? And he said, uh, he goes, yeah, you know, he may have been a little bit. He goes, but I was at the time. So he's always trying to add these things in about himself that he that he wants to be identified with. And then he also uses phrases that you see come back up with the, with the uh, in the Zodiac letters when the Zodiac wrote, I'm going to pick off the little kitties as they come bouncing off of the school bus. He used the word bouncing off the bus, not bounding, not jumping. He said bouncing. And Don uses the word bouncing all the time in weird places. I mean, remember, that's how they caught Ted Kaczynski was his sister-in-law reading some of the writings from uh from the Unabomber and saying, what well, doesn't look like your brother. And uh, so there's a lot there with Don saying bouncing. He would talk about uh, Tom Voigt asked him, you know, well, wasn't Arthur Leon in the Navy? And, and uh, he, uh, Don said, no, they bounced him out. And uh, well, and let's, Arthur, how about, let's sort of jump in here, uh, Drew, but how, how about the uh, trampoline angle as well, too? I know there's a little bit more you have to share on that front but before we even get to that let's just put the brakes on things here because we should uh remind listeners that this is episode number 194 of pirate radio podcasts we're here this week with our guest drew beeson um citing in on the zodiac killer is the name of the book uh, we've got a lot of people out there lighting up the the comment section in a big way so that's really great to see enigma smith 
chiming in, talking about the college connection between Cheney and Avery is interesting as to what, uh, as to what Drew was just going over here, of course, and uh, also stating that they have always wondered if the reporter Paul Avery could be the Zodiac. So, I mean, this is just uh, an incredible case, obviously, still unsolved. I've got a number of questions I'd like to uh, bounce off of Drew before we wrap things up here. We've only got not even 30 minutes here, folks, believe it or not. Amazing how time flies when you're having fun aboard the Robin Hood. Oh, and you know what? We never even asked Drew, to this point at least, uh... <laughs> We, he can't actually get on the ship unless he is able to provide something uh, along a, a pirate-type uh, angle or uh, you know something to do with the pop culture trivia, that sort of thing. So we'll, we'll get maybe back to that in just a moment here. But uh, let's bring in our two friends and fellow pirate mateys here just briefly. Uh, once again, we've got... Reverend Jim up there in the crow's nest. I'm pretty sure that he's been keeping a close watch on things. Uh, so we're going to want to hear from him as far as what he's been seeing unfold via the wider interwebs, social media. It's crazy the way things work here. All these, these windows, of course, uh, that we have open browsers and the like, it, it can get to be a bit of a handful that's why we've got extra ears and eyes in the form of of yourself reverend jim and pirate larry so it's been about a uh, little more than an hour or so now jim and you once again are syndicating via your d live channel let's not forget we've also got angel espino picking us up courtesy of psn-radio.com. Much appreciate that support. And Daryl and Katie over on the Global Enlightenment Radio Network, hashtag Gurn. Uh, in fact, that's, that's three main syndicators that the show has now managed to attract, if you will. Uh, but also, Jim, I know you were mentioning something during the, the news segment that we put together here just this past Tuesday that there were some folks out of Germany, I believe, at some places in, in Europe. Where exactly was that? Are they, are they with us again tonight? Um, no, I'm not being uh, hosted by my friend in Germany, but I do have uh, friends uh, listening in Finland and Scotland and uh, probably a few other places that haven't chimed in and all across the the u.s there's 10 people on my channel right now and last time i looked there was 20 over on youtube um yes it's a fascinating subject um i've already had some of my questions answered and i'm just like i'm gonna have to get his book <laughs> that's all i hear that's all i can think is i'm gonna have to get the book yeah, we'll have to ask him about the, you know, sometimes authors, of course, they can manage to swing a little 10% discount if people contact uh, 
Drew and, and other authors that we've had drop by here over the past number of years, let them know typically, you know, two words, pirate code or pirate radio that typically seems to do the trick. So, yeah, that's definitely the way that we'll be wanting to do things. So thank you so much, Jim. That's really great. You really managed to get around. Uh, we're going to shift things over now, I guess, to Pirate Larry. And you, you would imagine that he does find himself getting around a fair deal, at least looking around via his vantage point up there in the crow's nest. So we're going to actually just see if we can get Pirate Larry here once again down at, I think it was the Howling Wolf was what he was talking. Was it the Scurvy Dog Howling Scurvy Wolf? Dog. There we Scurvy go, Larry. Dog. Hey, Larry. Hey, so are you familiar with the Zodiac case at all? Uh, yeah, I was in San Francisco about that time. Whoa, Drew. I think I think we might have found our guy. <laughs> no, I was I was uh, too young and uh, too too much of a hippie to be involved in that kind of thing. Too much about love and peace rather peace than love. let's yeah, go. I was not, yeah. I was not into horror, the horror genre, no. That's that's the thing, you know, I'm really leery of the whole horror business because, as the old expression goes, you are what you eat. And uh, I think, you know, it could be said just as easily that that maxim and principle applies to television, radio, the consumption of anything out there in pop culture as it does the food that we actually consume on a day-to-day -day basis. So definitely something to... I'll bet you it has a lot more to do with the food. I'm you know, so... That, that can, the food can, can lead to, you know, lack of vitamins can lead to uh, depression. And... Boy, yeah. I, and I'm a living example of exactly what we're talking about here too is with with diet and if anyone's been following what's been taking place with me here personally on the health front yeah so uh, you know anemia i'm not sure if i if i shared that with you guys this past tuesday though uh during the news segment or not but anyways we're getting a little sidetracked here don't want to spend too much time um meandering about in the in the weeds as it were we're just mostly yeah wanting to hear your perspective. I was, uh, in, I was in San Francisco. I, I really did not understand it then. I mean, the the Manson family. I, you know, I could understand, but because it, I don't know, there's something about the Zodiac case that was very remained very clouded, and uh, so it's really great to hear Drew because a lot of the clouds are lifting. Indeed. So. Um... This is, is, is quite something. Thank you, Larry. We'll maybe uh, get back to you around the time we, we wrap, we wrap things up here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, keep that, uh, keep that Kraken story of yours rolling, of course. I'm sure there's more than a, a few 
regular patrons eager to uh, to hear more on that front. Quite a, an ordeal, it sounds like, that he had to endure up there on Dead Men's. I had three wrenches on my lap listening to my story. So oh, there we go. Doing better than Drew right now. Uh, uh, oh, how do you figure? How do you know he doesn't have a few a few lasses, or if you will? Oh, there you go. There you go. Jumping to conclusions. <laughs> just never know. So yeah. All right, Larry. We'll talk to you soon. So thank you very much. And uh, I guess now pretty much it's back to Drew. Yeah, we, as promised. Though we we had talked about touching base with the. Uh, with the guys there, Pirate Larry and Reverend Jim. So uh, I got a few questions myself as well, but feel free, uh, Drew, just just any thoughts without uh, tearing off, you know, or, ta- or taking off uh, too far with too much energy in any one direction. Just uh, so far... Anything do you think that we're maybe... Oh, the trampoline story. That's one of the things that definitely I was hoping that we could touch on. And then, of course, the Manson family, they had come up earlier. Let's not forget Bruce Davis. You've probably heard that name uh, within the context of what we're discussing this week. And this Don Cheney business, well, my question is, of course, you, you said earlier a lot of people do confuse him with Dick Cheney, just the name's so similar. Could there possibly be a a blood relation between the two of them? So those are just a few of the talking points I've got uh, if you want to address to, you know, whatever extent you would like. We probably want to keep things more concise, so uh, given where we find ourselves now. This is the home stretch. We're kind of winding things up looking at the the clock here actually yeah it's about maybe another 15 minutes or so 20 minutes tops yeah don't don't forget lawn cheney too lawn cheney well hey hang on that wait a I minute i pulled that out the other day oh uh, god you get a lot of interesting guys on, on on you know through the youtube channel and he was asking another zodiac researcher about lawn cheney oh i don't know if it was tying into don or not but that's <laughs> interesting and, and another you know connection here uh, you know they think that the zodiac was influenced by comic books i mentioned that before you know don cheney you mentioned in uh, one interview that he always read the comics in the newspaper and i can tell you his daughter was a comic book artist but they um they think that he was heavily influenced because uh, the Zodiac wrote on a car door. It was Brian Hartnell's car door after he stabbed the couple at Lake Berryessa. He wrote on the, the car door the dates of the previous murders. And uh, then he wrote that date that he did the Berryessa murder. He put September you know, 27, 1969, or sorry, 20, 29, 1969. Uh, he wrote by knife. And uh, they think that came from because he would, you know, he'd also put that in the Halloween card where it said by gun, by knife, by fire. And they think that came from a comic uh, called Tim Holt, which was a, a real guy that was in movies, you know, uh, uh, cowboy and Indian type Western movies. And uh, one of the comic book issues had uh, called what they called Lady Doom and the Death we- or the Wheel of Death. 
And uh, it said on the different things you could spin it, and it would land on by knife, by fire, by gun. And, and uh, a Zodiac researcher online that goes by uh, Tahoe 27 found that connection to the Tim Holt comic book. So a lot of people believe that they, they was tied to uh, to the Tim Holt comic, which is which is uh, which is interesting because um, Don was definitely, you know, like I said, his daughter was in that. Tim Holt had actually come to Bakersfield uh, himself, the the RKO star to talk to the Boy Scouts. Well, Don was in the Boy Scouts in Bakersfield when he came and did this thing in 1949 in Bakersfield, this, this little, uh, it wasn't a jamboree, but it was a indoor thing where some Eagle Scouts got their, they got all their stuff. So uh, there's a really interesting connection there with the comic books that you don't want to ever forget. But, you know, like I said, uh, another connection to that, because you were talking about the name Cheney and is he related to, you know, the uh, Dick Cheney or even Lon Cheney, but, uh, Talking about Tim Holt, uh, there was a comic book writer who wrote a lot of uh, a lot of those uh, cowboy, you know, westerns back in the uh, I think the fifties and the sixties, or when Don was growing up, or forties, forties and fifties mainly. And his name was uh, J. Benton Cheney, spelled the same way because some Cheneys are spelled with an A. Don's wasn't; it was E's or C H E N E Y. But and same with this this uh, this writer. But he wrote a lot of the westerns, including a lot of the Tim Holt. Um, westerns that were in the movie so there's another connection with that name he could have been one of these guys that, that liked the name and followed people that had the name so uh, just another little tidbit indeed yeah and i think lon cheney was one of those people whose surname was spelt with the a rather than the e so um the manson angle though once again bruce davis are you familiar with that whole business Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I've been when you know Bruce Davis was a suspect. I know they they talked to uh, it Vincent Bugliosi, and they said, yeah, I think they they really tried to pin him down if there was any uh, connections that he saw between the Manson murders and uh, the Zodiac. And I, he came out and said, absolutely not. And I've looked at this and went a million ways to one, and I don't see any. And uh, I don't think I do either. I think there's a there's a, some Manson ties into the Zodiac hoax theory because I know. Uh, uh, a guy I know pretty well, Ned, over at Black Box Online Radio, does a lot of the Manson stuff. He does a lot of Zodiac uh, YouTube uh, videos, but uh, he does the you know heavily uh, Manson stuff too. And uh, he said there was something about when the mur when the Zodiac murders would happen that that was kind of like a red light for the Manson family to start their murders. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Uh, and it's a really interesting angle. I love all that stuff, even if I don't think it's true or not, or maybe you know far fetched or not. It's fun to listen to, uh, but in uh, fascinating that somehow the, the Zodiac killings were some kind of a uh, red light for the Manson families to go in there to do whatever. I've never really dug deep into how that lines up, but that's one of the things I've heard tying into Manson. But, uh, but yeah, you do hear Bruce Davis come up as a suspect, but I've never seen anything that credible pointing towards him. Yeah. Some deep underground occult type um, organizations, including, I believe the, the process church, they figure into the, the mm -hmm. conversation quite often. Scientology, of course, let's not forget. Bruce Davis was yep. uh, uh, an advocate for some time. And, and um, you know. The Church of Satan. There's, well, yeah. I mean, that was straight out of San Francisco at the time, mm -hmm. too. <laughs> I think LeVay claimed to know who the Zodiac was at well, one point. And and why didn't he uh, 
Why didn't he say who it was then? If uh... I don't know. I don't know why it never went anywhere. I think it was a guy. I think that what it came down to was one of their, the party that the Church of Satan was having or a ritual or, you know, in, in this case. And then they just kind of wrote the guy off as being kind of crazy or drunk or out of his mind. You know, they just didn't give it a, a whole lot of credibility. I think one of the Zodiac suspects, his name is Earl Van Best Jr., and he was brought forward by his biological son, a guy named Gary Stewart. A lot of people have heard this name because this guy got a whole lot of publicity. He got a big publisher, and there's really no way in Hades that his father was the Zodiac killer, but he attached this story about his his father, who had kind of an interesting story already, but the guy wanted to attach it to the Zodiac to give it a little more you know, oomph in the book sales, and I'm sure that helped it. But uh, but actually, his father was, I think, played organ for the Church of Satan. Obviously, Anton LaVey was a really good organ player, but I think I think I heard Earl Van Best Jr. also did that for a time over there. I don't think he was a member of it, but had a connection to LaVey. How about that? So, uh, Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the 60s, nonfiction book, written by Tom O'Neill. We've actually reached out to Tom uh, thinking that it would be great if we could, if we could have him drop by and join us here for a conversation regarding this book. But, you know, he had multiple interviews with uh, Vincent Bugliosi, who's now he, passed away i think he died just a couple of years ago as i recall so but the fact of the matter according to tom o'neill and he does really make a pretty solid case is that bugliosi was uh i don't want to get too hung up on this because we gotta gotta just uh i thought i'd mostly just present this information to you and our listeners of course too in case they haven't heard it already but that yeah Bugliosi was really he was quite the sociopath narcissist in many ways and control freak um so and a great it's a great book as well too if people uh have yet to hear about that one chaos charles manson the cia and secret history of the 60s are you familiar with the title or the author i'm, I'm familiar with it a friend of mine read it and did, did a little review on it i think it talks about some of the manson family members may maybe being you know informants for the cia uh and kind of working with them mk and, ultra you know, the, mk ultra thing which is fascinating you know I, I, I love that stuff i think some of that might even come into play with the db cooper uh heist uh i don't really know about the zodiac per se but uh but yeah that's really interesting stuff it definitely sounds like a great read are we talking the deep state now or or just oh, crimi- yeah. criminal underground i have no idea so, so uh, it all kind of flows together yeah so it would seem okay so the btk killer as well you know i i just pulled something up in the in just before we went live, actually, uh, putting our research for the show, notes and whatnot together, that the BTK killer, who I've never heard of up until just today, really, I, I, the name vaguely rang a bell. But yeah, you said bondage, torture, oh, yeah. and kill. Sadistic. So here's sadistic. Okay. So, well, these serial killers, they just, that's how they're wired, it seems, for whatever reason. Uh, but that he himself has 
been actually another because of his his handwriting i guess there's been some handwriting analysis done uh of what he has in you know putting pen to paper uh left for us and for the record that investigators have actually said there's a striking similarity between uh the zodiac uh the zodiac uh and BTK and BTK exactly. So what are you are you up to speed that. on that? Oh, you're not. No, oh, you not, haven't heard not, that. Not on the BTK's handwriting. No. Okay. Well, maybe I'll send you the link after the show here. So. Yeah, can... that's interesting. I saw someone try to make a case for uh, for BTK and Zodiac, and it's pretty tough. I think because uh, of the uh, logistics. I think the BTK obviously operated. I think it was Wichita, Kansas. So, so uh, I think that the, the timeline. He's kind of he's kind of a little a little too young for Zodiac, and some other things are against him. It, it, it's a it's a stretch. Um, but uh, there's a lot of handwriting similar to the Zodiac. Like we were talking about the hoax theory uh, in one of the police being involved, uh, Hal Snook, which is a big piece of the the, uh, the hoax theory. Now, the whole reason that, that he's a part of the hoax theory is his handwriting is very eerily similar to the Zodiac's. Does that mean he is? No, but it helps. Um, but there, it's, it's crazy how, how many do have some that are so similar. Don's is too, by the way, he's one of the better contenders for handwriting, but, uh, man, when I, you see some of these other guys writing and you're like, God, oh, that just, that certainly looks close, but there's at least, I don't know, there's, a, I can think of about five guys that have real similar writing. Gotcha. So Bat Falcon here in the comment section over on YouTube. Oh, I love Talk, that name. Where do you come up with bat? I mean, I, I, can I get? A, can I copyright that? Is that it's a, our latest like superhero <laughs> has uh, entered the building. So commercial food nowadays is crap. I know we were we were just referencing earlier. You are what you eat kind of deal. So I guess that's what that's in response to. Uh, but a question for you, Drew. You might see here as well too. Do you think the Zodiac committed any of the non-canonical Zodiac crimes? I'm I'm uh, I don't know for sure, and uh, that's actually going to be maybe my next book because that's something I'm really digging into heavy, and I hope it I hope it produces some things because I always want to bring something new, and it won't be like trying to all put these connected to Don Cheney or not. I'm really going to just go in with an open mind and just present it to the reader. Uh, and, you know, I think of, of the the non-canonical Zodiac crimes, I think there was one in 1963. It was a couple on a beach, and their names were uh, Dominguez and Edwards. Uh, a couple that was engaged to be married. It was a uh, senior stip gay at their high school. Uh, they were on, Ga- I think it was uh, Gaviota Beach, if I'm saying that right. It was in Santa Barbara County. And they were attacked on the beach with a man with a 22. Uh, I don't know if, it, if they determined if it was a rifle or a pistol, but that's what the Zodiac used. That was a 22 round that he used at the Lake Herman Road shooting, which is the first known Zodiac killing. And uh, this couple was, was, was shot down with that 22. And, uh, the perpetrator dragged him to this little uh, inside a little beach shack, and he tried to burn the shack down, but he couldn't. So maybe there's a by fire. But I think of all of them, I think that 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 particular crime sounds the most to me like Zodiac. Um, 
By far. I mean, uh, obviously, the most talked about uh, non-canonical crime is Riverside. And I'm, I'm kind of uh, leaning towards the boyfriend on that. I hope he's not listening, <laughs> because uh, even though that boyfriend was tested for DNA when he went, because he lives out of the country. Well, let's just say out of the country. We'll go with that. But when he came back in, back to Riverside, the, the police did take his DNA and it came back negative. I think that was just, uh, just luck on his part, because I think he had a friend, but he had a known uh, fight with her. Uh, a couple of his friends were polygraph and passed and say, yeah, he was really angry with her and he made the statement that he was going to go get even or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but the police are pretty convinced it's this guy. And I kind of agree. I'm kind of leaning with that one on that. But for Zodiac, definitely the beach murders in 63, I think is the most Zodiac like. And then there was another cab driver uh, that was murdered in 62 it, on, in uh, Oceanside, California, it was a, he was another cab driver similar to Paul Stein. His name was Ray Davis, and there's a lady that did a, a good blog on that. If you Google uh, Ray Davis and Zodiac, you'll find that blog that she wrote because she kind of found that crime and noticed all the similarities to Zodiac. Uh, the cab driver shot from the back seat with a gun. Uh, and uh, what makes it seem like Zodiac for the Ray Davis crime was is that someone called the police uh, days later and threatened the police, said, yeah, I did it, and there's going to be more, something along those lines, very Zodiac-ish, because Zodiac did call in after uh, the Blue Rock Springs killing and uh, also the Lake Berryessa stabbing attack. So uh, those two, I would say, Ray Davis and the uh, Beach Murders in 63, I think are the two that are, if, if they are Zodiac, those would two would be the high, most highly likely. Okay, well, thank you for that. We've got... D. Andrews over on Facebook asking whether or not we've ever done a show regarding the elusive D.B. Cooper. No, we have not. I think uh, it would be great to have Drew back again at some future point to cover that. He's already, in his first year of writing, put together a book uh, dealing with the, the Cooper case. So... That's, uh, you know, definitely on our, our list of, of uh, things to do. Whether we get around to covering that this year or more likely probably even the next is what we'd be looking at there simply because of uh, the way bookings currently are stacking up. Do What D is talking about here, though, on top of this all is how they remember the BTK. That was so freaky. So yeah, I guess uh, I, I didn't I didn't follow that whole that whole business. You know, serial killers. Pretty so, <laughs> the Manson. I guess the Manson. That whole saga is the one I'm probably most familiar with when it comes to serial killers. I just like Larry kind of uh, hit on there this business of what it is. You know, it's you go to some pretty dark places. Even you know, oh, just in, man, yeah. I can't go to. I can't go to some of those. But I can't. I mean, there. You know, actually, here I'm in Houston, and uh, one of the most prolific or, or body count, in terms of body count serial killers ever was this really twisted guy named Dean Coral. And he was in the Heights, did murdered young men in the early '70s in Houston. I mean, man, this guy's creepy. I just, oh, it's. And there's a guy that wrote a book about it pretty recently, and I just I couldn't even read it. I bet it's just so bad. You just it would scar you forever. You could, I mean, I couldn't even go near something like that. But uh, that guy was never really on my radar till I heard about him, which was surprising. Being from Houston and born here, was it a a gay kind of thing? 
Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean, just really sadistic and torture, and oh man, just yeah, just just reading the basics like on like LinkedIn or something would freak you out. Much less reading a book that really got into the nitty gritty. Oh, it was just insane. So I, I imagine the like the mo would be something along the lines of a a pickup kind of deal in the gay yeah, community. Yeah, pickup drugs. Sure. And uh, and the and you know the boys just walking along in the neighborhood getting picked up, and the, and the cops wouldn't pick up on it they would just say oh there's a runaways they're just runaways even though the parents or the mothers would say no 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 it's not like johnny just to go running off like that and I, there were several young boys it wasn't like one or two it was like i don't know maybe over 10 now are we talking you, you said young boys uh is it teenagers or or uh, I, I think they were like uh i think they were like early teens you know, twelve to sixteen, kind of, kind of range that they that, that this guy was into, and he uh, inherited from his mother or his parents a, a like a candy shop, or a, they made candy, and that's why the, his nickname was the Candy Man, and uh, you know he would hand out candy to these kids and, and you know whatever kind of getting them in, but they weren't little kids; they were like in their teens. But but he always had a lot of cash from this business. It did really well. There was like truck routes for the candy, and they made he made quite a bit of money. So. That's one way he would lure a lot of these initially. He would just he would just throw some money at them and get them to start coming around, and then get them in a in a bad position and tie them up to the bed, and it would be a bad ending from there. And they, he owned like a boat stall, not around where his house was, and he would bury these boys in this boat stall, and just thought, thought nothing of it, just kept racking them up. You know, the police are just oh another runaway, and, and it was in the Houston Heights actually, which is an older neighborhood here in Houston, kind of trendy now, but. Uh, Really creepy. It was just odd. I never really that really never hit my radar until about a year ago that I never even heard about it. Almost reminds me a little bit of uh, John Wayne Gacy. Oh yeah, yeah. really twisted guy. Real so, similar to Gacy. Yeah, he's really up that the, alley. Dahmer. The bodies just kept piling up. So yeah. All right, folks. Well, I think we pretty much hit the hit the uh, the end of the road here. As far as this week's live stream is concerned, show number 194, Pi Radio Podcasts. One last question for you. Uh, what we, we should have actually thrown your way from, from the outset, but, but failed to do so, unfortunately. What we typically do, if we can... If we can remember, that is, and sometimes it just goes by the wayside. Thankfully, I've, uh, you know, I've, I'm not completely forgotten. But the whole pirate angle, it's just all part of the shtick, really. We ask our guests if they have any pirate, we say stories, but we mean more like trivia or just like pop culture references or, jeez, uh, I wonder the Zodiac. Well, the Zodiac was out on i guess you have a there's a zodiac boat too let's not forget so out on the water but yeah just yourself your own personal history maybe a slight fascination with pirates or just any of the big pirate names or stories that come to mind that you might know a little bit about that uh have interested you over the years uh the the the, the booty Absolutely, the it's booty. All you know, the about pirate, the pirate the booty. The pirate gold and the people that, that, that find the pirate's gold. That's that's always been a fascination 
of where of where the uh, of where they hid the gold. Uh, you know, Oak Island I like a lot, the whole history of Oak Island. But uh, I do lo- I do love the pirate theme, man. I love it. I love it. You know, it, uh, you know where did where did the pirates? I mean, you probably know where do they get the skull in the in the you know the the skull and the crossbones flag because that you know ties into later the skull and bones uh, fraternity and all that stuff. But that was definitely a pirate. Uh, symbol, you know, uh, meaning you're going to face death if you mess with us, I guess. Yeah, the Jolly, the Jolly Roger, the Jolly Roger. is a Jour Rouge. It's had something to do with uh, French for red, I do believe. Maybe there's a blood angle. I wish I could provide more information on that front, but I, I, like I said, there the the French side of things is something people probably are, you know would want to take a look at regarding uh as far as the historical roots are concerned the Jules, Jules Rouge but also also there was a there's a, a like a play on words as well too because you know Roger is also a verb uh, you know if people think name <laughs> but to, to have a, a jolly Roger is the good old time um uh, rogering away Hopefully not. The, the too- Jolly Roger does come up in uh, a lady's uh, analysis of the Zodiac's Halloween card. Her name she goes by Blaze Star, which I'm sure is not her real name, but uh, like she a, has like, like a, a Jolly s- Roger tie into that like somewhere. S- I can't. I remember a stripper. Blaze Star's got to be a stripper. Yeah. I, I think it actually Blaze Star was like a like an early stripper burlesque type uh, actress that she stole that from. But the, the, I think she does work in the somehow with the Jolly Roger into her analysis of the Zodiac's Halloween card. Oh, I So there is a reference there. So hold it. This is a, this is a researcher. An author it's a researcher, yeah. I she see. goes by Blaze Star, which she's, is a she's borrowed still... name. But, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she's really smart and has a lot of uh, interesting stuff. You know, she uses a light table, and she, you know, which I think the Zodiac used, or, you know, who I think it is, because they would have had a light table, which is also called an engineer's table with the light box. Well, Don Cheney was a mechanical engineer. But the reason the Zodiac ciphers are so neatly written is because he used graph paper and put a regular piece of paper over there so he could space his letters out evenly. And then when he writes, he's disguising his handwriting. It looks really sloppy. But uh, going back to Blaze Star, she, she she uses a light table and turns them around and does all these things and comes up with all these interesting things. But, uh, they're the, you know, actually, there was a card. There's a piece of Zodiac correspondence that has the Jolly Roger on it, or it was the brand of the card, kind of like, you know, Hallmark, but it was actually Jolly Roger. And it might be the – I'm just – I think it was the Zodiac Dragon card. Now that I'm thinking about in the back, you know, the brand was like Jolly Roger with the with the pirate on it. So there's your Zodiac tie. I think it was the dragon card. I have to look. All right. Remember, it's on the back of one of the Zodiac correspondences is a Jolly Roger pirate. It says Jolly Roger with the pirate. That's your Zodiac tie. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's so fascinating that almost any time we have a a show where, you know, feature guest interview that there can be found to be some at least little tie-in or angle as far as the whole pirate business is concerned so uh yeah but that about does it now the we had mentioned earlier a potential maybe discount for example for shows the, the listeners who contact you i know sometimes authors they can't do that because the way things are set up with uh you know the the payment end of things and so forth but other times they have more flexibility. If our listeners do manage to contact you with, uh, say, the 
you know, either two keywords, pirate code or or pirate radio, would you be able to offer them something perhaps in that vein? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll try to uh, figure out a way to do it through Amazon, but I'm sure there's a way because that's something I'm definitely looking into is doing things like discounts for listeners like yours and uh, giveaways too. But uh, absolutely, I'll help them any way I can. We've got your web, your uh, online web contact social media links and so forth here. DrewBeasonBooks.com. Yeah, fa- Facebook.com, uh, Drew Hurst Beeson. You have your YouTube channel. These links can all be found down in the show description area on uh, YouTube, but on top of that, what what is your email? I don't. Th- we haven't actually managed to get our hands on that, and I think our listeners yeah, would like to have that as well. Potentially, sure. Too. I give out my personal one. It's just my name, Drew D R E W Beeson B as in boy E E S O N at yahoo.com. That's it, Drew Beeson at yahoo.com. That's right. Doesn't get any more simple than that, does it? Straightforward. So okay, so Drew. Uh, I think you mentioned something about, we'll we'll talk more about this behind the scenes, whether you're going to stick around or not. You had expressed something of an interest before we went into things, uh, provided that you, you know, you, you, you feel that we did not entirely, you know, crash and burn here along the way and that we had a pretty good show, which I think we did. I I think we did. Yeah. I think it definitely won for the books that, uh, we'll, uh, maybe embark on this further one hour rogues gallery after show. That's that premium content folks that our Patreon subscribers uh, can get their hands on along with all of the participants as well too. Uh, people who take part in the, the after show itself. So, but before we draw things to a close here entirely, once again, we're going to want to hear from, Let's see. Well, we've been doing things, turning our sights to Reverend Jim to begin with, I guess, and then over to Pirate Larry. So, yeah, Jim, I guess you're probably in the midst of making your way back down from the crow's nest as we circle uh, back into the lovely Mystic Bay, located out along Skullport Harbor, of course. Uh, we're headed to the after show here, potentially, is what it sounds like. I know you've got your thing that you're going to keep running there, probably, with your live stream, or, or are you going to actually join us this go-round? Uh, what are your thoughts on that front, along with just uh, generally regarding the show, Mr. Reverend Jim? Hi, Jaffe. It was a great show, and uh, quite a few questions answered and quite a few questions stirred. And, uh, yeah, and we had some in- interesting conversations about uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and a few other uh, notorious figures in our history. Um, so but it's time to set the anchor and stow the cells, and everybody have a great weekend. I'm off. I won't be joining the after show, but uh, I wish you all a good evening. And, Drew, thank you. It was great meeting you. Okay, well, there we go. So, you too. yeah, uh, Pirate Larry. Let's see, what are we looking for here exactly? We have to get his his, his frequency here. Tune in to uh, 
see if we can manage to connect. I Jeffy, Jeffy. Yeah, scurvy dog is it still? Scurvy or... dog in. Okay. Come down, bring some money. <laughs> we'll bring a few things, hopefully. Bring some doubloons. We'll have doubloons, we'll have some grog, we'll have all kinds of good things. Yeah, time to let our hair down and loosen off the our, our belts, of course. Lay our cutlasses and and uh, muskets aside for the time being. So, very I'll much. see you here. Yeah, we'll be there shortly. So, uh, thank you very much once again, Drew. I'm not sure if if you got any just final remarks or or thoughts. How you like to close things out exactly? We'd we like to give a big word of thanks, of course, to everyone who's joined us. Uh, we managed to pretty much i think hold people's attention for the most part and uh some pretty decent numbers this go around so that's quite uh that's appreciative and and uh, we look forward to seeing everyone again sometime here in the future go ahead drew well, i really enjoyed it it was a good, it was a, a great discussion i think one of the one of the best i've ever done i think it was uh, one of the most enjoyable Oh, oh well, that's for sure. That's really great. So, I mean, I, I, you've certainly inspired me now to do some more research regarding the the zodiac and uh, you know the killings, of course, and your particular theory regarding this this individual named uh, Don, not Dick. Let's get that straight, folks. Don Cheney, not to be confused with Lon Cheney, not to be confused with Ted Cruz or any of these others uh, whose whose names have been floated as potential suspects, including Ted Kaczynski and so on and so forth. But yeah, there we go. So we're going to head on out to the uh, after show. We'll just get you to mute yourself out there. Uh, remind listeners that we will be back again this Tuesday with the news. As always, a midweek muck around, so feel free to drop by. We uh, are often on the lookout for uh, first-hour guests, people to drop in and help provide a little color commentary along with just whatever happens to be the news of the day, what's on their minds. If you contact us, you will be able to. There is a good chance. Um, find yourself booked for that first hour. A little different from the Friday night feature guest end of things. But yeah, uh, we would encourage everyone uh, who's taking part in the Rogues Gallery after show to grab yourself a beverage, uh, hit the washroom, you know, uh, top off. Your, if you're smoking a pipe, you want to top off your your bowl and, and temp your uh, whatever it is that you are are sparking up. Have it in place, not packed too tight, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, and just a big thanks to everyone who did drop in this week. Too many names to mention. Hope everyone enjoyed themselves. And we're going to do this all again next week, too. Let's not forget... Uh, Potentially Laura Covino is what we're looking at there, folks. That's kind of up in the air right now. We're just going to have to play that one by ear. We had some scheduling issues last time. I 
I'm not sure what we're going to see happen this go around, but we're simply going to have to just see what materializes one way or the other. You can bet we're going to do everything we can within our power to have a guest booked and provide the quality conversation and content that so many of you appreciate. Once again, WPRPN.com is the website. Want to drop by there? Check out all the links. Sign up is free. Pirate One Radio at ProtonMail.com is our website address. Show us a little bit of love on the PayPal front. That sort of thing is always appreciated. There's a few of you out there who've been doing that, so we could not thank you enough. Hope that more of you will here over time. Uh, it only requires just a few dollars. It all adds up. And don't forget, half of everything that we manage to generate here goes directly back to charity. Patreon.com forward slash WPRPN is another way of supporting us via the tip jar. Minds.com, the digital currency they have available over there. Send us some of those digital tokens and it'll certainly go a long way in helping us to, to boost the content that we put out there for your both listening and viewing pleasure. On behalf of Captain Long John Sinclair and all the rest of the crew here aboard the Robin Hood, until we meet again out in the high digital seas, I'm your host, as always, the show's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. Tally-ho. I know. There we be. Having carefully looked over each of our navigation panel instruments, checking every level, switch, dial, cable, knob, and pulley, by all accounts and indications, we indeed see it's time once again to drop anchor inside Mystic Bay. Draw an end to yet another week of World Pirate Radio Live. Remember, if you're looking for a little more animated online action, Keep in mind, we've likely got yet another great free-flowing rogues gallery after show coming up for the next hour in one of our more premium exclusive and remote digital underground online pirate hideaways. Also, if you yourself have a new, novel, intriguing, or otherwise underreported idea, unique individual, or pressing item in mind, be sure to either drop us a line directly over on WPRPN.com or fire us a quick email via Pirate One Radio at ProtonMail.com. We're always open to exploring fresh creative suggestions, intriguing guest ideas, cutting-edge discussion topics, and captivating themes. Remember, WPRPN.com member site subdomain links are also always available. Great for artists, musicians, podcasters, bloggers, social media personalities, 
or pretty much just any old land lover looking to boost their online visibility, presence, and reach, basic personal profile accounts can be launched for just $60 per year. Staking your claim now helps not only strengthen you and the network, we're also looking out for the little guy. That's right, folks. As much as half of all WPRPN's profits are redirected right back into the hands of the people who really need it most. Community charity. After all, we are the Robin Hood. You can further embark on your own personal pirate journey by either liking, sharing, commenting on, subscribing to, or just following us via virtually any mainstream social media platform, including Twitter, Facebook, Gab, or Minds.com. So don't forget to become engaged until we meet again out on the high digital seas. I'm your host as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. Tally ho.